Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing a little bit about the Monday night and Tuesday night games, including game predictions for the Thursday night matchup tomorrow between the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans. But before we get to any of that, I would just like to say I hope you guys are having a great week. And I hope you guys continue to have a great week. And if you took any of my predictions from week one and week two, then congratulations. I know you guys won some money if you went off those because I went 4-0 in those. So if you did, congratulations. If you didn't and you just follow along for fun with the game predictions, that's fantastic. I hope you're enjoying it. That being said, we are going to kick off this episode by talking about game predictions. Now, I've talked about in the past that Last year, I ranked number one in the nation for game predictions. I had 182 wins, 73 losses, and one tie. Now, that that's fine. I, I'm, I'm happy about that, of course, as anyone would be. Now, this year, since this is, this is the first year doing the podcast, first episode, February 5th of last year, leading up to Super Bowl weekend, and I just want to say that this is the first year and all that. And with each year, there's going to be variable change. There are going to be years that I do good. And there's going to be years that I do bad. Now, I'm not saying I've done bad this year. This year, I'm ranked seventh in the nation at the current moment. And I would say that's no slight towards me. And if anything, you know, there's going to be regression. There's going to be progression year in and year out variable change things happen but the thing that I want to address more than anything is the hatred that I've been kind of receiving over social media from some of you guys who listen to the podcast and I just wanted to start off by saying first if you take my predictions and you make bets on them that's fine you do that you can do that just as anyone else can I I personally if I wanted to make bets on my own predictions. I would. I just don't see the point in it anymore. It, the cause, the amount of, the reason why I don't make my predictions and make bets with them is because I feel like it is way more painful losing one of my bets than winning on, like the, the sadness hurts more than the joy of winning if that makes sense, like the, the pain from losing hurts more than winning. That's just said it like three times, but either way, moving on from that, like I said, I'm seventh in the nation right now and I'm receiving some hate from you guys saying how, Oh, I'm a fake yada, yada, yada. And I'm really shocked about getting these messages over the past two weeks. Seeing as last week I went 14 and two this week I, or this well, two weeks ago I went fourteen and two. This past week I went thirteen and three. First of all, very confusing with that, but whatever. That being said, I just want to point out: yes, I have not had as good of a year as last year. This is true. Now, during the weeks that I have not been good towards or with my predictions, I've tried to lead you guys, saying like, eh, "I'm not really feeling too well about this week." Um, every week except for week one, I did that where I had kind of suspicions about the week. Now, taking that into account, I want you to think about, I, I've had four bad weeks starting off with week one. I only won four of 16 games. That's an awful week for a game predictor. That's a death sentence. Then week eight, I won seven games. Week 10, I won five games and week 12, I won six games. Now, personally, yes, I'm not pleased with that, as I'm sure if you made bets those weeks off of my predictions, I'm sure you wouldn't be happy with those either. But at the same time, I just want to point out the fact that if those weeks were not a thing, say those weeks never happened, that those were just a fugazi, they, they were fake weeks, they were preseason weeks, I would be averaging 12 wins a week if those weeks never happened. And when you think about that for a sec, just think about that. 
there have been weeks in the NFL during the season where there were only 12 games played, and I'd be averaging 12 wins. That's pretty damn good. Matter of fact, let's just say if I did a little bit better each of those games. Uh, let's say if I got, instead of four wins uh, week one, I got two more wins and I got six wins. It's still a bad week for me. Let's say week eight, I get one more win. Say week 10, I get one more win. That's I'd have four extra wins. And then let's say week 12, I get two more wins. I am at then six extra wins. Now let's tack those on to my record of 140 wins. I would be tied for first at 146 wins. Because right now, like I said, I'm in seventh, but I'm technically tied for seventh. There's people, or there's, <laughs> I'm at 140 wins. There's a person at tied at 140 wins. There's someone at 141. There's someone at 142. 143, 144, 45, and then finally the top guy at 146. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I feel like that's a pretty good game prediction ranking, especially since the past two weeks. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because the hate that I've gotten the past like two, three weeks over social media. I understand that you may have taken bets and maybe you got or picked the wrong games because. While I might be predicting, you're still choosing what games you want to bet on. Maybe last week you chose the Cowboys to beat Washington. and Or the Washington to beat the Cowboys. And I'm sorry about that if you took that pick. That I, I'm sorry that you lost your bet. But don't put that on me. I tell you every time before that if you want to make your bet, that is on you. And that's something you need to take into account. If you bet your money... That is on you. Now, I'm trying to lead you into the right perspective and tell you things that will help show you how these teams are really looking because there's so many people out there who, especially even people in media, who just blindly predict these games. And I'm not going to give them like heat or anything. I get it. But at the same time, I'm really watching all these games every week. I'm breaking down the film, I'm breaking down the coach's film, and I'm diagnosing what I feel like is going to happen, and I give you guys the best predictions I can possibly give you. So if you're hating on me, you're giving me this hate on social media, you know what, as much as I get slightly annoyed by it, I'm also going to say thank you for listening to the podcast, because clearly if you're getting some hate, that means you're getting listened to. And now you're going to say, oh, I'm never listening to this podcast again, which I mean, if that's your choice too, but at the same time, you listen to the podcast for a reason, you know, that I know my stuff, you know, I'm going to be giving you guys some good information and I'm going to try and provide you the best information. Cause when I win, you win and vice versa. If, if you win, I'm winning. So I want to see y'all win and Of course, I'd hope that you guys want to see me win. If not, that's okay. I'm just trying to give you guys the best information possible. Now, we're going to, like I said, talk about the Monday night and Tuesday night games a little bit. But first, we are going to take a break. And like I said, when we return, we'll discuss those games right after this. Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. And like I said in the previous section about the predictions, guys, just going to reiterate this one more time. You're betting at your own risk. Take into consideration other people's opinions, including mine. I'd hope that you would since I've been doing this for over now two years. So, but with that all being said, let's just get right into recapping these Monday and Tuesday night matchups. And let's start off with the Monday night game between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns. A game that really did not look interesting at all in the beginning. It it really looked like the Raiders were going to just destroy the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, they kind of let the Browns hang around. And for a second, the Brown, it seemed like the Browns were going to win. And I personally was 
terrified that the Browns were going to win towards the end because I'm thinking, holy crap, they took the lead. They let the Browns establish the run a little bit. Nick Mullins is not looking terrible. He's not looking great, but he's not looking bad either. And the Raiders' offense isn't really doing anything. They aren't really doing anything to like really drive down the field and waste any time. So I was very concerned towards the end. And when Carlson, the Raiders kicker, Carlson, lined up to kick that field goal, I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, he's going to miss it. I was literally almost speaking it into existence. I'm like, he's going to miss this kick. It's going to be just my luck that he's going to miss this kick. Because trust me, guys, when I said in the last segment about the predictions, I am literally like following these games and like praying that my entire last week of work and research did not go all for nothing. If the team that I predict didn't win, it feels like it was all for nothing because it feels like I didn't do my job. And I literally was looking at this. I'm like, Carlson's going to miss this kick. He's going to miss it. And then the Browns called the timeout, and it made me even more concerned. I'm like, oh, icing the kicker. Uh, oh, like, and I'm so someone who's like normally like, you know what? This is their job. Their job is to know that they can't be iced, even though it's possible and everything to ice a kicker. But like, it's their job. They're not going to be iced. But I'm still just thinking, oh, God, here it goes. He's going to miss. He's iced. The Browns did it. They iced him. And then when I finally saw that scoreboard on, like, the internet go up from 13 to 16, and it was 16 to 14, I was so relieved. So relieved. I'm like, okay. Thank God. But looking at that game, and I've watched the game. I haven't broken down the coach's film yet. I'm just going to say Josh Jacobs and that rushing attack didn't look good at all. And some people might look at the stats, and this is why I'm telling people don't look at stats. Peyton, because they'll say Peyton Barber averaged 6.8 yards per carry. Yeah, Yeah, he did. But really, one of those runs was a 19-yard run. Other than that, that if we took that away, let's say that was just a normal like four-yard run, that would mean that his average, while it would still be good, it would still be over four yards, it wouldn't be 6.8 yards average. It was just one good run. And looking at it, it was very concerning watching the film because I was very down. I, would, I wouldn't say very down, but I would more down on the Raiders that start the season and they've proved me wrong. What I feel like a good amount of the season, I feel like if all the stuff happened or didn't happen with John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, uh, Damon Arnett, I feel like they would definitely be already like they're in the playoff picture, but I'm going to be honest. I don't see them as true playoff like a true playoff team. And I'm sure many of you would agree with me on that. You don't view them as a true playoff team. And as of right now, I would not view De- or Derek, I was about to call him by his brother's name, but Derek Carr as a true competent playoff quarterback. I think that if we looked at, if you and me sat down at the table, watched the film between Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo, you would choose Jimmy Garoppolo over Derek Carr. And that that's saying something, seeing as Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement was drafted this past year, and Jimmy Garoppolo is most likely out of San Francisco after this year. I'd say that there's nearly no way that he returns to San Francisco this next year. And the 49ers are, of course, playoff contenders. And I view the 49ers as true playoff contenders and a true playoff team because I could see them, you know, maybe upsetting a team or two in the playoffs. I could see them potentially making it to the NFC championship game. They have the weapons, both on offense and defense. They have the experience. I mean, 
they look like a great team. But the Raiders, on the other hand, right now, they just don't. They don't have a good rushing attack. They don't have a great passing attack. I would say earlier, yeah, when uh, they had their tight end, all everyone healthy, I'd said, yeah, they, they look like a playoff team. I've said in the beginning of the year when they were performing well before the Henry Ruggs incident, before the Damon Arnett incident, and even after those incidents, I said that they were potentially a playoff team, but not anymore. There's nothing that is really encouraging, and I think it would be a huge, huge, like, just in, not really insult. I'm trying to think of the word here, but it would be a letdown to see them in the playoffs because there's so many other teams that when you look at them, you just think, God, they're they're really playing better. Like if if it's up to me, I would much rather see the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs than the Raiders. And, you know, on one end, I would say that, and I think, yeah, the Dolphins have won, like I believe it's six straight. But then again, looking, I'm not saying I want to see the Dolphins in the playoffs because I really don't. But I think the storyline heading into it, say if the Dolphins ran the table for the rest of the season, won their final three games, would be way more interesting than the Raiders. I mean, what's more interesting? The Raiders battling through John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett issues, or the Miami Dolphins and Tuatanga Vailoa who was, you know, doubted by the Dolphins and the Dolphins were trying to trade for Deshaun Watson throughout the entire beginning of the season. And then right when the trade deadline ends, Tua Tagovailoa starts kind of lighting up teams. And granted, the teams that they've faced have not been good. They have not been the best, the high-end talented teams in the NFL. But the, the storyline just going into the playoffs would be more interesting with the Dolphins. And honestly, I feel like because of that Monday night game, I will be very disappointed if the Raiders make the playoffs because you should have destroyed the Browns. You really should have. They're missing so many offensive linemen. They're missing their second best running back who really, Nick Chubb's good, but He's not the Nick Chubb we all know and love without a very good counter or assisting running back like Kareem Hunt. Like he can do the job, but it's really like thunder and lightning with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They both need each other or they need someone who's competent enough to be able to run the ball and make good yardage. And honestly, if... I'm going to say this too. I was wrong about the Browns this year. The Browns. <clears throat> and I, I think that the Browns definitely don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So I'm not trying to say that anymore. Like, yes, they looked like a superstar level team in the beginning of the year. I do not want to see them in the playoffs. I think it would be a huge like insult to NFL fans to see them make the playoffs. And I know that there's certain Browns fans who say, Oh, how are you going to say all this and then also back up Baker Mayfield? Listen, I'm backing up Baker Mayfield because I want to see you guys have a good future for once. Some some Browns fans gave me some hate about that, saying that Baker sucks. And, and that's fine that you think that, but I think you would still take Baker Mayfield every single day of the week over what you guys had prior to Baker Mayfield for the previous, like, what was it, like 20 years of just terrible quarterback play. So, again, Browns fans, try not being so selfish. I get it. He's not looking like the elite top-of-the-line quarterbacks. He's definitely not Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, but that's okay. You can, if you want, you guys can, your team can go search out for those guys and go try and draft one of those guys or sign one of the go, those guys. But that does not mean, like, if you go out and draft, you're just going to be in the same situation year in, year out. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, those players don't just, you know, come out of the draft every year. You know, Kyler Murray. I would not even say is on their level. And Kyler Murray, I would say, is just a high-end quarterback, but he's not elite. 
I would say that the same thing about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has won an MVP. He's a high-end quarterback. He is not elite, though. At the current moment, he is not elite. Now, yes, if he gets some weapons around him, I would say, yeah, he could probably be considered elite. And for those who think, oh, well, you're a Tom Brady fan and all that, yes, I don't think Tom Brady's elite either. Tom Brady is in a great system right now. Not even a system, because it is his system that he's running there. He he switched it last year, but he's surrounded by a bunch of great, phenomenal players. Granted, it's a lot in large part due to him taking less money that they're able to afford that many or those players. But he's not an elite quarterback. He's a very high end quarterback. But honestly, that game it, it was just ugly. And I'm going to say that if either of these teams make the playoffs, it's going to be very, very just a big letdown in general because I don't think that either of them deserve to be in the playoffs. And as of right now, I know that they're out of the play. Both teams are out of the playoffs. I believe the Cleveland Browns, I'm looking at it up right now, actually, are currently in the 12th spot. So they would have to. A lot of things would have to happen for them to make the playoffs. And the, let's see here, the Raiders are in the 10th spot. But honestly, if either of those teams make the playoffs, that's such an insult to the fan bases, which I know they would earn their right to be there, but it's not going to be an interesting playoff game. Now let's move on to the second game of the Monday night matchup, which is was the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. And, you know, again, Vikings are still alive technically for the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, that's an insult to the fans too because the Vikings have a great team, and I'm not trying to undermine that. Matter of fact, the Vikings heading into the fourth quarter every every week of the season have led and they've choked away leads. Now, just think about that. Every single week, that means they should be 14-0 right now if they could just hold their leads. But instead, uh, they're 7-7, and if I recall correctly. It's just, they're not a good team. They're not worthy of a playoff spot. Not trying to be rude towards Vikings fans, but it's true. It, it's it's the honest truth. It's the truth that I... Oh, God, they are the seventh seed as of right now. Jesus Christ. God, help us. I mean, I would much rather see the Philadelphia Eagles be in that spot, personally. Um, God. The Eagles might take over that spot. The Eagles or Washington probably the Eagles more than anything. Otherwise, the Vikings could potentially make it, but I feel like that's going to be a very just walking in the playoffs and walking right out if it's the Vikings. And it's not in large part due to the game that we saw on Monday night because a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, the Vikings should have destroyed the Bears. And I agree with that. I totally agree. But I will say this. Some people have been giving Kirk Cousins a kind of a bad rap for especially the interception that was thrown that it looks like he just airmailed it to the defensive player, which was Marquee or I, I, I don't remember who intercepted it, but that wasn't a bad throw. And I know certain people are going, what are you kidding? There was no one in the vicinity of that ball. Yeah. Because there should have been a pass interference thrown a holding and a pass interference, technically, on the same player. Number 23, Marquis Christian, held the absolute fuck out of Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson ended up falling because how much he was being held, and that ball was being thrown to Justin Jefferson. It's clear and obvious. Justin Jefferson was running a deep post, and because of that... The whole the uncalled holding penalty. It was an interception, which it was a missed 
holding penalty. It's it's really just there's a bad officiating over the past Monday and Tuesday games, and we'll get into that a little bit later on regards to the Seattle Seahawks games. But honestly, like that should have been a penalty. But looking at that, besides that, the Bears. They, they did not play well. The Vikings kind of let them stay in the game. And quite frankly, as much as I want to give the Vikings credit for like, hey, you guys won and against a divisional opponent and all that, I'm going to say it. That was like insulting for us to watch as like fans of football. Like, me watching the game film and watching the coaches film, I was literally just looking at, like, why am I watching this? It feels like a waste of time. It felt like... Like, the fact that the Bears had zero regular starters in their secondary and Kirk Cousins only threw for 87 yards, I mean, are you are you fucking serious? Like, honestly, granted, I will say if that pass interference calls uh, or missed pass interference call is made, Justin Jefferson's catching that ball and it's going to be a touchdown. It's going to be like a 75 yard touchdown. But I, I mean, even with that, the Vikings weren't that, that would only put them the score to being like 24 to nine by the end. It went to be an impressive game. No one would have said, oh, the Vikings really put or gave it to the Bears. It it wasn't a good game. Honestly, both of the Monday night games were very underwhelming. The, the Raiders-Browns game got exciting towards the end, but nothing else about the Chicago Bears-Minnesota Vikings game was really interesting. So... Like I said, if the Raiders, the Browns, or the Vikings make the playoffs, it's going to feel like such an insult to all. To For me, looking at how fans would want to watch these games, it's going to feel like such an insult. Now, I did have the Vikings making the playoffs in the beginning of this year. I swear to God, I still hope that they don't. Because that was such a terrible display of football by a team that should have been just destroying the other team. I mean, the, the the Bears were literally playing with practice squad defensive backs. Guys who are not deemed fit enough to make the roster during Sunday games, and you barely beat them. It's really embarrassing. And honestly, looking at the Vikings' schedule, who have they beaten that impresses you? Yes, you could say that they beat the Packers in Week 11. Yeah, they did. That's their one impressive win. The Chargers Week 10, sure, but the Chargers have been so inconsistent week in and week out. They barely beat the Steelers. They let the Steelers back in that game. I mean, it's really embarrassing, to be honest. And honestly, I really am not sure how I feel about the uh, Minnesota Vikings this next week. I mean, granted, I'm not going to really talk about the Bears that much, but like, clearly no one's probably going to be picking the Bears. I'm looking at who the Bears actually play this next week. And they're playing the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it could go up in the air on that one, but I'm probably going to still pick the Seattle Seahawks. And the Minnesota Vikings are facing, oh yeah, they're facing the Rams, which I'm going to say this, I'm most likely, I haven't made my predictions, of course, yet. I'm probably going to be choosing the Rams in that game. I could still see the Vikings having the lead in the fourth quarter and then blowing that lead and then losing by, like, three points because that seems like something the Vikings will do. And for all the fans of, like, the Vikings, and I'm a Falcons fan, so I know all about this, too. I'm so sorry for you guys because, like, the Vikings are proving all the stereotypes about your team correct right now. The Vikings are choke artists. Everyone in Wisconsin jokes about that. And 
it shows. He has a choking week in and week out leads away, and it's really embarrassing, I, I feel like, to your fans. If I was a Vikings fan, I would be embarrassed. And that's sad. Like, the Vikings have some really good team or, over the past couple of years. And just seems like year in, year out, it's embarrassing losses. I mean, how do you have a Minneapolis miracle, have all that drive and motivation and excitement for the next game, and you go get blown out by the Philadelphia Eagles? You don't even make it interesting. And not not trying to undermine the Eagles. The Eagles were a great team that year. They won the Super Bowl, but you didn't even keep it interesting. I would say the Saints were a great team that year, too. And the Vikings upset the Saints. That, like, honestly, <laughs> week in and week out, it's just seems like it's so much let down by the Vikings. And I feel sorry for Vikings fans. Honestly, y'all deserve better. If I'm being honest. Taking a look at the final Tuesday game of this, the Seattle Seahawks at the LA Rams. Now, I have not gotten a chance to watch the film from this game. But I have seen some of the pass interference penalties and everything and some plays from that game. And, of course, the the major one from DJ, or on DJ Douglas, or DJ Dallas, sorry. Um, that, like, how is that flag not thrown? It seems like the Rams just get away with blatant pass interference penalties against the Saints from two years or three years ago in the playoffs that sent them to the Super Bowl uh, this year. Like, it seems like they always get those calls. And there's, I mean, if you're a Rams fan, hell, I wish I was getting those calls as a Falcon fan. Hell, the Falcons in 2012, I I remember blatantly Navarro Bowman pass interference on Roddy White on fourth down. And because the flag wasn't thrown, the 49ers won. Otherwise, the Falcons probably would have won that game. But that's beside the point. Um, the the Rams, I, I'm going to say this about that entire situation. I'm going to break that probably down more on Friday. And yes, there will still be a Friday episode, even though it's Christmas Eve. I'm still going to do that episode for you guys. So that way you guys can listen to me, hopefully on the way to, you know, just your family gathering, your family Christmas party, or if you don't celebrate Christmas and you're just driving around, hopefully you can listen to me and enjoy the episode. But just looking at that play, that one DJ Dallas, no call, pass interference play, and then it sucks because then uh, DJ Dallas kicks the ball because he's frustrated and they call a penalty on him for doing that. I'm going to say this. Yes, it was pass interference, blatant pass interference. But on the other side of it, Russell Wilson, that was an underthrown football. And I hope it's because of his finger, because honestly, I don't want to see Russell Wilson go down a downward spiral to end his career. He He's one of my more favorite quarterbacks over the years and one of the better quarterbacks over the past years. I mean, last year I would have said he was easily top three to five quarterback in the league. And honestly, this year, because of his injury, because the offensive play, he has not performed well. And quite frankly, I think he just wants out of Seattle. I think that's made clear last year in the offseason, and it's going to be made again right away in the offseason this year. But honestly, looking at that ball, that ball should have been like at least five yards farther down the field, probably more like 10. And it's probably a completion then. DJ Dallas had to pull up and start turning around kind of to go back to get the ball where it should have just been an over-the-shoulder catch. So on one end, yes, Definitely pass interference. On the other hand, you don't have to worry about that if the ball is thrown properly and where it's supposed to be thrown. And this is going to be some. This is something that I say often enough to a lot of people in my family when they complain about officials and everything, and really even like friends whenever they complain about officials. 
if you don't want the officials to have control of the game, don't put the game in their hands because chances are you're going to lose some games here and there because if your team can't make the plays happen throughout the game and then it comes down to fourth quarter and a play like that, there's chances where the there's not going to be a flag thrown. So never leave the game in the officials' hands because there is human error in football and officiating. That, that's part of life. There's human error. So if you don't want that to happen, CL Seahawks fans, don't be really mad at the officials. Like, yes, I understand you can be, but also be mad a little bit at Russell Wilson for not getting that ball 10 yards down the field further because then it's a catch. It's probably a touchdown. And potentially we're talking about how the Seattle Seahawks uh, upset the LA Rams today. Who knows? That's all I got to say about that because, again, I have not watched the film for that game yet, but I've just seen like some highlights and kind of broke those down from the angles. Either way, we will talk about that more on Friday. When we return, we will be talking a little bit about the Chicago Bears when we return after this. Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell, and in this segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Chicago Bears, not really about the Monday night performance, because quite frankly, I think the Bears actually showed a lot of fight in that game. They kept themselves in the game longer than I thought they would have, but really, more in particular, what Bears fans really need to be chanting, yelling at the games. We all know that Matt Nagy's gone after this year. It's a pretty obvious thing. If he somehow manages to stay with the Bears one more year, it would be so incredibly shocking and insulting to the fans. But the one thing that as much as you want, you know, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace gone, there is one other person that if you're a Bears fan, you need to chant it, yell at these games, make signs. And it's the fact that the Bears need to fire Ted Phillips. And just to put into perspective, if you don't know who Ted Phillips is for the Bears, Ted Phillips is the Chicago Bears team president. He is responsible. He's been with the team for 22 years. 22 and his teams under his regime, not Matt Nagy's regime, but under his regime, the Chicago bears have won three playoff games. He's hired uh, personnel like bears fans. You'll know these names, Phil Emery, Mark Tressman, John Fox. And yes, of course he's hired Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith wasn't a bad head coach by any means, uh, he took them to a Super Bowl. They lost, but that was more of an anomaly, more than a common occurrence. So, what I'm pretty much trying to say is, whenever you like, my whole rule is, if you're gonna fire a head coach, you gotta fire the GM too. And if you fire the GM, you should fire the head coach as well, because if the GM comes into the building and doesn't like the head coach then it's going to be a wasted year or wasted years and vice versa. If the head coach doesn't get along with the GM, it's going to be wasted years because they're not going to see eye to eye on their transactions. But on the same point, if you are going to hire them, don't have the guy who has historically over the past 20 years turned your team from a, like the, the, the bears, they have great players right now. They do. The past couple of years, they've had some great teams. They've had terrible coaching and terrible uh, <laughs> general manager, just not, I wouldn't say play, of course, but transactions and just terrible moves done by the GM. And honestly, if you as a Chicago Bear fan want to see change, you need, need to be screaming from the rooftops for the Bears to fire Ted Phillips. Because with all dysfunctional teams, it's always from 
the very top down. It's never like the Detroit Lions. It's not the fact that, oh, it's the bad GM or the bad head coach. And, and I'm not saying that the the Detroit Lions have a bad GM or head coach right now. I like, you know, their head coach, of course. And I've talked about that often. I've, granted, I do make fun of him for his oh, biting of the kneecaps and all that. But it all starts from the, the upper and up or the very highest point. If you have a terrible owner who doesn't know what he's doing, then yes, you're going to have a dysfunctional franchise. And you're going to have a dysfunctional franchise for an, almost every year, year in and year out, as long as they own the team. Now, and that's evident through the New York Jets, if you didn't realize, Jets fans, it's not really that you guys are just, yes, you guys are having bad uh, issues with your head coaching and your general managers, but it always the sole root is always the ownership. And if the ownership is all right or solid, then it trickles down. President of the team, is the president of the team good? Okay, he is. He's going to make the right hires. If you have a bad team president, he's not going to hire the best guys because he doesn't know who the best guys are. And I'm not trying to say that I know who the best guys are coming in this next year because I haven't really take, taken a look at the, that yet. But Ted Phillips is just as much the issue as Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. And... If you're going to be pointing the finger at, you know, Matt Nagy, yeah, you can do that. First of all, Matt Nagy also, Monday night, it looked like he was going to, like, explode and was going to fight the refs. He, it looked like he knew he was, like, coaching his last game. Granted, he hasn't been fired or anything. I'm not saying he was. But it it looked like he knew as if he was about to be fired and he won to go out on one last win with his guys. He was blowing up at the officials. He got an unsportsmanlike penalty because he blew up at the officials one time. He almost got a second. I really liked the just pure emotion from Matt Nagy in that game. Yes, the Bears did not play well, but I really enjoyed that from Matt Nagy. And honestly, I feel like it helped motivate his team a little bit more to try harder than what they did or than what they would have. So honestly, I thought that was a pretty well-coached game by him. Not necessarily actually a well-coached game, but a better coach game than he typically would. And it was with players that are like no-name players that no one knows. Honestly, though, just getting back to the whole point, Bears fans, you guys want Matt Nagy gone? Understandable. I'm sure he's going to be gone after this year. You guys want Ryan Pace gone? Understandable. You know, he's probably going to be gone as well. But you got to demand that Ted Phillips is gone as well. And honestly, as much as you guys might hate Matt Nagy, you guys better hope that whoever's hired for that head coaching candidacy and that GM position is going to love Justin Fields. because. All these guys will say, oh, they're Justin Fields guy. They're yada, 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 like all that, that they they love Justin Fields. But if they don't really love Justin Fields, they're going to plan on replacing him. And then that's going to be a, a wasted draft pick by the Bears. And it's just going to be constant rebuilding. And that's where the team president plays a factor because he should be able to evaluate, hey, is this guy actually into Justin Fields or is he just trying to BS me to get the job? Because there's only 32 of those positions in the world. There's only 32 NFL general manager positions and there's only 32 head coaching positions in the world for the NFL. These guys who are coming in, they will lie if they it means they get the job because they want to coach and they believe in themselves. They don't necessarily will, like some of them don't like the quarterback. Like, look at some of the uh, coaches in the past with or, uh, Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill. He was not in love with Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill went to the Tennessee Titans, and he's playing at a very 
very good level. Now, this year, he's been struggling a little bit, but he's also been dealing with a lot of injuries on the offense. It's more justified than when he played under Adam Gaze. So, honestly, if looking at the Chicago Bears, if you're a Bears fan, you have got, have got to be pounding on the table, chanting from your rooftops, all that to have Matt Nagy, not only Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace gone, but Ted Phillips as well. Because you do not want Ted Phillips to hire someone who is not into Justin Fields as their quarterback. That's just the simple way to look at it. If Ted Phillips hires someone, I feel like the next person Ted Phillips hires will not be all in on you know, Justin Fields. Just like how Matt Nagy was originally all in on Mike Glennon. And he wasn't. Now, granted, Mike Glennon is Mike Glennon, but you, you got to look at how these your personnel, if you're Ted Phillips or the future president, are going to coincide with the players and so on and so forth. That being said, we are going to move right in to the game predictions for the Thursday night matchup between the uh, sorry, San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans. And looking at this game, as of right now, the 49ers head into this game as minus three-point favorites. And... <laughs> Looking at the injury report for the past two teams, the 49ers, of course, are the away team. The 49ers will be without linebacker Dre Greenlaw. Um, safety, I'm not going to pronounce that name correct, but TH is, are the initials. Defensive lineman Maurice Hurst and running back Elijah Mitchell. Then for the Tennessee Titans, they are without Taylor Luan. Left tackle Taylor Juan, linebacker T- David Long Jr., D lineman Laurel Laurel Merchinson, and Roger Self Roger Salford Roger Salford. Sorry, excuse me. Who's an offensive guard? Now I'm gonna say this: the Tennessee Titans ran the ball pretty damn well this past week, and I'm gonna say that the 49ers ran. Pretty damn well as well. Now, the Tennessee Titans, they were facing the Steel, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are not that great of a defense. I know everyone wants to say how good of a defense they are, and yes, they do have capabilities of being a good defense here and there. And I had the Steelers winning that game, and they did. But honestly, they the Titans ran the ball pretty damn well on them. Now, looking at the other end, the 49ers ran the ball all over the Falcons, which definitely opens up everything for Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game. Now, adding into that, I'm going to look at how the Tennessee Titans are doing. They did not get the ball at all to Julio Jones. And Julio Jones is still kind of dealing with his lingering hamstring injury. He didn't practice either Tuesday or Wednesday or no, uh, Monday or Tuesday. He practiced Wednesday and he's going to play, but honestly, I, I we haven't seen anything out of Julio Jones as of late. Now, the 49ers secondary has a lot of cause for concern, but is Julio going to do anything against them? And really, are the Tennessee Titans offensive line going to hold up well enough to give Ryan Tannehill time to do anything? Because Matt Ryan was running for his life a lot of the time this past week against Nick Bosa and that defensive line of the San Francisco 49ers. So it makes it hard for me to decide with this game. I think I am going to choose the San Francisco 49ers to win this game in a close one. I mean, 
Because the, the one end for me, I do want to pick the Titans. I really do. But on the other end, based on what I saw the past couple of weeks, I can't not pick the 49ers. They've been playing better. I feel like they're more of a like legit playoff team than the Tennessee Titans right now. And I know the Titans are like the three seed as of right now. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Indianapolis Colts ended up taking the number one seed in the AFC North from the Tennessee Titans down the line in these final couple weeks. Adding to that, I'm not sure if A.J. Brown is even playing tomorrow. I mean, that's a huge cause for concern. I, I, I can't take the Titans in this game. And, of course, as always... You know, you guys should be already following the official FNK Live uh, Twitter page and look for updates leading up to the game tomorrow. But as of right now, I am going to go with the 49ers to win this game. And it's really something that I don't want to do, but I feel I just I just feel like the Titans are they stepped on their foot their own foot last week against the San or not against the San Francisco against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They should have won that game. And even as a predictor who predicted the Steelers to win, I feel a little upset that the, the Titans didn't win that game because it just seemed like they constantly stepped or shot on their themselves in the foot in that game. I mean, also, can we get teams to stop stomping on the opponent's uh, logo at the 50-yard line? Teams have, like, historically over the past, like, five seasons, like, 0-9 when doing that. Stop. You're cursing yourself. Don't do that. And if the Tennessee Titans do that uh, again tomorrow, well, actually, they're playing at home. But if all of a sudden the 49ers do that, I'm going to be like, okay, I've taken the Titans. Can't. I'm not going to trust the team that does that. You're literally motivating the team right before the game to tear your head off. But in the meantime, until tomorrow, I mean, I might update it. I I think I'm going to stick with the 49ers. I am excited to watch this game, and I hope you guys watch the game. If you guys take my prediction, that's great. Um, If you make some money off of it, please DM me. Let me know. That'd be awesome to hear about. I like hearing about when people win money from my predictions but with all that honestly being said uh that will bring us to the end of this episode i hope you guys enjoyed this episode again check in tomorrow on the football news and knowledge podcast twitter page again that twitter handle will be in the bio of this episode and honestly if you enjoy the episode please leave a five-star review everything every rating helps With that being said, I hope you guys have a great week. We will see you again Friday. Enjoy the Thursday night football game tomorrow. And again, we'll see you Friday.